Hey, this is Josh Davis. I'm the pastor at Grace Point Fellowship, and this is our podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can get you these messages every single week. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to do something today a little bit different. We're going to flip something upside down, um, but actually right side up would be the proper term. We're going to flip Thanksgiving and, and do something counterintuitive with it, okay? So in, in the way of Jesus, um, so Jesus, Jesus said some things that seemed backward or upside down, but they weren't. Um, it's just that the world is backward and upside down, and um, sin did that. We, we did that. We broke it and turned it upside down. Jesus came to turn it right side up. And so he said things that were counterintuitive, like um, if you want to have, give, right? Um, he, he said if you want to uh, become great, become the least. Uh, if, if you want to be first, go to the end of the line, go, go last, all right? It doesn't make sense. It's, it's counterintuitive. He introduced concepts like servant leader. Like that just sounds like an oxymoron, Right? Um, leaders serve? Yeah, I mean, when you see Jesus washing the disciples' feet, um, you, how many of you ever, when, when you imagined him doing that, you thought, man, what a wuss. Right? What a weakling. Why would he do that? Why would he give up? Why would he relinquish his office? Why would he give up leadership? Um, why would he stoop so low? And, and yet, you don't think that he's weak because he served. You don't think that he's not a leader because he washed. You actually see him establishing his leadership, right? You, you see him establishing um, his office as the Christ. And so it's, it's not backward, it's right side up. So what we're going to do is learn how to use giving thanks as a test of things to know whether they're good or bad for us, okay? So we're not going to use thanksgiving as just this gesture um, to sort of lift our mood um, or to be the better person or to just be kind of mind over matter positive uh, during a certain season. We're going to use thanksgiving as a command um, as uh, that we're going to do out of obedience unto the Lord that enters us into a place that transcends us through difficult circumstances. And it helps us to test and approve what God's good and perfect and pleasing will is. I mean, Romans 12 says to do that, right? Offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. It's your reasonable worship so that you can not conform to the patterns of this world, but be able to test and approve what God's good and perfect and pleasing will is. It is God's will for us that we give thanks in all circumstances. We'll see this morning that the, the scriptures tell us that. Why is it a command? Let's figure that out. Why is it not just a, a, a good suggestion? It's a command. I believe that the commands of the scriptures are broad. Um, they're not just the Ten Commandments. Um, the scriptures are full of commandments. Um, whenever we're giving a directive, we should, even in the New Testament, we should receive it as a command that's good for us. 
I've learned from the, the scriptures that it's really interesting. God doesn't tell us to do things or command us to do things that come natural for us because he doesn't need to. We do that by nature, right? Like he doesn't tell a woman to, uh, there's no command in the New Testament for a woman to love her husband. Um, she's commanded to respect her husband. Why? Because uh, love comes natural for women. Um, it, it's the respect that's a hard part. How many of you ever said this, uh, maybe of a former spouse, or you've said it to your, your, about your current spouse? You know, I, I love that man. Oh, I'll always love him, but I can love him from Idaho. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't have to be in this relationship. Um, I'll always love him. I just, I just, I, 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 he's given me reason to not respect him. And likewise, um, the scriptures don't tell uh, a husband to respect his wife. Be it says, wives, respect your husbands is the command. Um, excuse me, husbands, love your wives is the command. It's, it, you don't see respect your wives. Why? Because respect comes natural for men. I mean, if men are having problems respecting one another, we just take it out back, all right? When we're, when we're done with each other, we'll, res we'll, we'll, we'll have a mutual respect, right? And, and men will say the same things. Man, I, 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 I respect that woman. She gave me children. Um, she's a great mom. I just don't love her anymore. And, and men check out. They just they check out because they think that there's, there's something wrong with the relationship because they don't love their wives anymore when the reality is there's something wrong with the man because he's not being obedient to the command. And so I'm, I'm telling you that these commands such as give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, I did a deep dive on, on that word, um, all, and uh, just to see how it really translated um, in this passage. Uh, and it's interesting. You'd be surprised how it translates. You know what it means? It means all. <laughs> Everybody say all. All right. It means all circumstances. Well, that see how counterintuitive that is. That can't be so. Surely the Lord understands my circumstances and doesn't expect me to give thanks for these particular circumstances. Of course, he expects others to give thanks for their circumstances because they're worthy of, of thanks. There is no worthy of in the command. He is worthy of, therefore we give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, that means even the difficult ones, the, the hardships, the trials, the disappointments. And so we're going to learn how to, how, how to utilize this command and trust God that the, the, that the command is embedded with promise that if we'll obediently give thanks in all of our circumstances, it will move us into a supernatural place that transcends even the most difficult things that we could never imagine. And we're going to use it to test what is good in our lives. Our text is 1 Timothy 4, 4-7, and it says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and in prayer. So how do we know if something is God's good creation for us? 
That's kind of our, our, the first part theme. How do we know something is God's good creation for us? Well, give thanks for it and see what happens. We have two things that come into play when we give thanks. One is we have the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John 16, 13. It says, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you in all truth. These are the words of Jesus explaining to His disciples. Spirit will come, He'll guide you in all truth. So, something happens when we give thanks for anything. Because Holy Spirit is in it, because it's a command and an act of obedience, and we're seeing it that way now, there's room for Holy Spirit to come into that. And what happens is we'll either have peace or we'll cringe, right? So Holy Spirit gives us the ability to test and be at peace or the cringe factor comes in. It's like, oh, that, that's, that was awkward, giving thanks for that. That's what I want you to do. I, 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 I want you to do something different and just test it and see what happens. Give thanks for it. And see if you elevate into peace or if you drop into shame then you'll know. It's a, it's a pretty interesting thing. And we're going to give some illustrations here in a little bit. So we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word and prayer. The Word, thanksgiving, and prayer. These things help us to discern what is good and what's not. Verse 4 says, for everything God created is good. Let's, let's go to the source and look at Genesis 1, verses 10, 12, 18, and 31. Verse 10 says, uh, could, could we just read it together out loud? It says, God called the dry ground land. I, I don't hear you. Um, maybe you didn't hear me. Could we read this together out loud? Okay, let's, let's do it out loud. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. All right, let's look at verse 12. Read it together out loud. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in its accordance to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Let's look at verse 18. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness, and God Yes, thank you. And finally, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Everyone say all. It's all good. That is, as he made it. So the word good in these scriptures is translated from a word, pankitsma. And it means 
all the creatures or all that God has created is good as He made it. Some of you are tracking with me already. It does not mean that every moral agent remains good as long as he is a creature of God. But moral agents and human beings and angels were good as they were made at first. I mean, Satan himself. He was good at first. God created him. He, led, he was the, the lead worshiper in heaven until he wasn't because he rebelled and he was no longer good. Nor does it mean that God, that, that all God has made is good for every object to which it can be applied, right? So for example, um, and this is not a political statement or a lobbying statement, it's just an observation, okay? I have no agenda behind it, so don't go there. Um, guns are not bad. People are bad. The hand is bad. That that, 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 gun, that gun is this is just this is just a phone uh, until I hit you with it, right? And they're heavy; it hurts, right? I clock you with the, my phone. That doesn't make the phone bad. It makes me bad, right? So objects are good until they're not. All things are good until they're not. It's good in its place. Good for the purpose for which God made it. Nor should it be inferred that what God has made is necessarily good after it has been perverted by men and women. As God made it originally, it would have been good. So, for example, um, how, how many believe apples are good? They were made good. Apples are good. Um, peaches are good. Right? Um, rye is good. Corn is good. These are all good things. But when you put apples and peaches and rye and corn together, what do you get? What do you get? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and suddenly, suddenly good things that were put together to make moonshine back during Prohibition resulted in the death and murder of hundreds of thousands of people. Right? So everything's good until it's not. And one of the ways that you can test whether or not it's good is to give thanks. For example, the intimacy between a husband and wife is good, right? I grew up in an era in the church where we were constantly told during, you know, all my, you know, growing up as a teenager that sex is bad and it's dirty and it's wrong. God doesn't like it. So save it for marriage. I, I was, it was confusing. Um, we've learned over the years, now we tell our, our children, our teenagers, that sex is good and it's righteous and holy and pure and, and uh, don't read Song of Solomon until you're married. And uh, we tell them, you know, we, we, we tell them it's good and God's, God's not keeping it from you, He's saving it for you, right? Um, that's why you abstain. He's saving something good for you. Teach your children that way. It's good until it's not, right? Um, just after 2000, um, the owners and authors of Playboy magazine 
said this, and I quote, Mission accomplished. We will no longer be publishing nude images in our magazine because it's available every imaginable or unimaginable act is available now for free in one click. Do you know that statistically, um, 50% of men in any gathering of believers are addicted to pornography? And 20, excuse me, 30% of women. So that's, if you do the math, if, if hypothetically, um, half of the church is men, half the church is women, um, that means a quarter of the church, if half of the men are addicted to pornography, are addicted, and then add you know, um, another 15%, um, and you're, you're, you know, you're getting close to a third. That's serious stuff, all right? I mean, you, you think about the consequences of that. Here, here we are, um, a, a, a band of believers <clears throat> praying for revival, right? You know, that's fire in the house, right? Um, uh, refiner's fire, where we're purified and empowered by the Holy Spirit, for ministry. Um, and, and then we're also praying and believing and teaching and leaning in for awakening. Because uh, revival's for the church. Uh, awakening is for the lost. Um, we pray like Jesus prayed and we pray like the Apostle Paul prayed. Open their spiritual eyes so that they will see the inheritance that's provided for those who believe. If you're here today and you have not embraced Jesus as your Savior and Redeemer and soon and coming King, then you're here because someone prayed that your spiritual eyes would be open so that you could see the inheritance that's provided for those who believe. It's an incredible inheritance, all right? And you can say with everyone else today, everyone say this, I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with the King. I'm united with the Lord and one with Him in spirit. I'm adopted into His kingdom. And if you're, you know, if you came today and you've never said those things before, welcome home. Welcome to the family. It's good until it's not. When you, uh, when you begin to give thanks for something, and I know this sounds very counterintuitive, and, and very odd, but just try it and see what happens. Um, how, how are we going to experience revival amongst us as believers, and how is the world going to, our community, the world that, that hasn't seen yet, going to experience awakening when we are eroded and corrupted in our spirits by this epidemic of pornography. How, how are we going to do it? How are we going to overcome it? Well, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We know that. But we also overcome by the word of our testimony. What are we, what are we speaking? Give thanks. Do you know, do you know um, imagine how awkward it would be. Um, I don't know of a man or a woman, um, and I'll date it, um, back 
when the internet wasn't available, um, who would page through a porn magazine and say, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Nobody does that, right? That's just weird. Well, the reason, the reason we don't do it is because we know if we did, it would transform us, it would change us, it would convict us. We, 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 would, be, we would experience the guilt and shame that we're supposed to rather than swiping the grace card and, and convincing ourselves of the lie that it's okay, right? Because after all, we're under grace. Well, well, the guy that wrote the book on grace also said, um, it is the grace of God, this is Titus 2.10, it is the grace of God that brings salvation. Everyone said, amen, right? I mean, it's that grace that, 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 that unmerited favor where we realize that Jesus has atoned for our sin and we're free. Um, Paul said it this way, it's for freedom that we've been set free. What have we been set free for? For bondage. Is that what we were set free for? For bondage? Or were we set free to be free? Right? So, so he says, what then? Because grace abounds, shall we continue to sin all the more? And he says, no, but by no means should we just willfully, perpetually continue to sin. And yet believers everywhere are swiping the grace card and thinking that it's okay. Hey, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So you're never going to find, they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So you're never going to find what you're looking for in sin. So we have to be free, and we can be free if we'll give thanks. I know it sounds weird, but give thanks in all things. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my bride who's righteous and holy and pure and washed by your word. Um, help me as I give thanks for her. Help me to say no to sin. Give thanks. It is the grace of God that brings salvation and, everyone say and. I'm an and guy. Everyone say and. It's not this or that. It's both. It's and. We overcome by the by the word of our testimony and every, uh, excuse me, by the blood of the lamb. Everybody gets that. That's the gospel, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Um, are, we, are we uncomfortable with saying and? You know, I, I know we like to be like Jesus only people and um, we don't want to add or contribute anything to Jesus. Um, you know, we don't want to imply that he's not enough. Well, the Scripture says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So what we, apparently what we confess matters. He said if you confess your sins one to another, you'll be healed. Apparently what we speak matters. So if, if our testimony is thanks, if the words that we speak is thank you, Lord, we, we are going to enter into this new place, this supernatural place, where, as I said earlier, we, we are transcended through sin and past sin and around sin and into a supernatural place where we overcome. 
You know, I've never, I don't remember ever sending that I didn't know I was going to. You ever send that you didn't know you, you didn't know you were going to? Um, I've always known that I was going to, and I did it because I wanted to. Um, and I suffered the consequences of uh, Romans 6, where Paul said, hey, um, what then now do you have to show for what you're only ashamed of? However, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, we will overcome or God is a liar. How many of you think Jesus is a liar? Of course not, right? So let's, let's test this. It's a command to give thanks in all things. Watch what happens. You're either going to be elevated or you're going to be convicted. If you're convicted, die to it, repent of it, set it aside. If you're, eleva if you're elevated it, uh, above the, the gift to the giver, then then by all means, continue with it and give thanks. Verse 5 goes on to say, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Be careful to maintain the spirit of thanksgiving and prayer in all things. Let me give you some examples. Number one, what can you thank God for and use in His name for His glory? Secondly, what lifts you from the gift to the giver? So, so away from a horizontal focus of thanking Him for stuff to a vertical focus of thanking Him for who He is. What lifts us from the gift to the giver? What is capable of being prayed over with no shadow of misgiving? These things are innocent and healthy. On the other hand, watch only against the intrusion of self. So, first of all, whatever you place between yourself and God or rest on apart from God, or make the aim and center of your life, it is hurtful and must pass through the fire. And I would say that giving thanks can be a tool of refining fire. The way to get rid, the way to rid yourself of its poison is to insist on making it a subject of thanksgiving. It's an interesting thing. We're flipping this a little bit, aren't we? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, even demolishing pretentious ideas that are contrary to the knowledge of God. I love that. Demol I love that word, demolishing, right? Crushing. Crushing what? A pretentious idea that is contrary to the knowledge of God. What's a pretentious idea? This is okay. Is it really okay? Give thanks for it and find out. If you go, oh, the cringe factor. Wow, that's, no, I can't do that. I can't, well, then die to it, set it aside, have nothing to do with it. If you give thanks for it and it elevates you and lifts you to the giver and, and, and becomes worship 
and there's no cringe factor, then you know that it's good. We're going to continue to test it this way. Verse 5 says, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Let me give you an example of a prayer that has been prayed for centuries. Um, I like it. It was actually recorded near the time of the Apostles' Creed. Um, congregations have been praying this prayer for centuries since the, early, since the first century church. We're going to pray this prayer together out loud while the worship team comes. And then we're going to practice a couple of um, three specific um, meditations that are going to help you see how transformational, not just inspirational, how transformational giving thanks is. How many of you want to move between a good feeling and a changed life? How many of you want to move from, from uh, inspiration to transformation? Because inspiration, it, it, it's, it's good, it's a good feeling, it lasts for a little while, but if nothing's changed, we're the same. So thanksgiving is not intended to just be inspirational. Give us a, give us a, a warm fuzzy, a feel good. No, it's intended to be transformational. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Could we do this? Begin. Blessed are you, O Lord, who has fed me from my youth, who has given food to all flesh. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness that we, having all sufficiency, may abound in every good work in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through Him, glory and honor might be to you forever and ever. Amen. When we give thanks, something happens. If you can pray over something, apply the scriptures, giving thanks without correction or conviction from the spirit of truth who's in you, who guides you in all truth, then rejoice and partake and walk in faith. Now we're going we're gonna to practice this, okay? How about we just, how about we uh, practice it before we even go out? I'm going to give you some three meditations that you can do right now and experience transformation and also you can take from here and do on a daily basis. Watch what happens as we flip this. I want you to read this declaration and then close your eyes, make a personal appointment with the Lord and finish this sentence. Lord, I'm thankful for who you are Thank you for being. So you're struggling with your identity, who you are, how you see yourself. You 
define yourself by what you've done and what others have done to you. And because that's how you define yourself, your identity is broken. Let me say that again. You define yourself by what you've done and what others have done to you. And so you say, I am, and you finish the sentence with um, some form of broken identity or, or victimization. What do you do? You give thanks for who he is. And it changes your view of how, who you are. Watch this. Father, thank you for being my father. You're a good God. You're good in every way. You've adopted me into your kingdom. You've given me identity and purpose. I knew who I, who I am. I'm a child of God because of who you are. You see, when I give thanks to him for who he is, I discover who I am in his eyes. You see how it flips? That's how you can give thanks in all circumstances. What do you mean, thanks in all circumstances? You don't know what I've done and you don't know what's been done to me. Give thanks to the Lord. And watch how he changes and transforms your identity. Let's try this again. Lord, I'm thankful for the few who enrich my life. Hey, if you only have a few, maybe one, and it drops off fast after that, who enriches your life, um, you, you maybe two or three at the most, you are in good company with Jesus. You say, no, he had, he had 12. No, he didn't. The other nine were work, all right? He had John the Beloved, and he had Peter and James, and the rest were work. In fact, even one of those, Peter was a lot of work until he discovered his true identity. When the Lord changed his name, you remember, from little rock to big rock, from sifting sands to solid rock. He went from just saying it to doing it. Oh, Lord, I'll, I'll never forsake you. He went from just saying it to never forsaking the Lord and died a martyr's death just like the others. So most of the people in your life, let's be honest, most of the people in your life suck life out of you, right? They're, they're, they're draining. They can be even family, you know? You're, they can even be friends. Um, give thanks for the one or two or three who enrich your life and watch what happens. Pause and give thanks for the one right now. Thank you. fortunate to have bonus two or three. Give thanks for them. Lord, I'm thankful for Clayton. He's, a, he's, a, he's become a good friend. He's a servant. And uh, he, he genuinely cares about me and, and, and that I'm encouraged. And so He's an encourager, and uh, Lord, I'm thankful for my adult children who have grown into contributors 
and no longer consumers. They speak encouragement and enrichment into my life, and I'm changed. I don't know about you, but when I pray that, I don't even think about those who are selfish in my life and, and um, are only consumers and not contributors, right? It changes me when I give thanks. I, I'm not even thinking about the other 25 that just want a piece of me. Do you see how it happens? Let's do this one more time, last time. Um, Lord, I'm thankful for your presence and help in the following challenges and disappointments. Now, this is the hard one. What? It seems backward. No, we're flipping it. Give thanks in all circumstances, yes. Even in incredible trials and just constant disappointments, yes. Well, how do I give thanks in those things like this? Thank Him for His presence and help in specific challenges and disappointments that you're experiencing right now. His presence and His help. Here's the deal. The Scripture says that He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. Present and help. Either that's true or He's a liar. I choose to believe that He is truth. Capital T. I'm the way the truth and the life. He was present in the boat during the storm, right? He was pre present in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. He was present in the jail cell, cell with uh, the Apostle Paul and Silas who worshipped and sang with joy in stocks. Imagine the circumstances. You're, you're, you're giving thanks like this in a stinky, in stocks, in a stinky cell. And you're elevated because you're giving thanks for his presence and his help. And what happened? The chains came off and the cell, the, 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 the jail cell uh, flew open. And they stayed there. They didn't even go running. Why didn't they go running? They didn't need to. They had peace. They told the soldier, hey, we're still here. Don't worry. He's present in your circumstances. When you give thanks to him for his presence in your circumstances, your view, your outlook changes and you're transformed. I don't know what you're going through what this week was like, what your most dominant thought is. If you just pause and think about what your most dominant thought has been this week, that's probably your difficulty. That's probably your disappointment. Would you take a minute and just give thanks to the Lord for His presence and His help in that? stand together with me and would you make a covenant with the Lord that you will this week 
starting now, you will give thanks in all circumstances. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others with a life-changing message to Jesus by partnering with us today at mygracepoint.church/give. And thanks again for joining us on the My Grace Point podcast.